0: In week two of our series called Practice Makes Permanent, we started last week, week one, right? That makes sense, with baptisms, and we're in week two now, where we're taking, the series is taking a look at three of the practices of the church. So like I said last week, we celebrated baptism together as a family. This week, or this, today, we're going to be talking about communion, and next week, as Lindsay just mentioned, we're going to be celebrating together child dedications, and we're, first we're going to hear a teaching about the significance of that practice. So we're exploring these practices through the premise that what we physically do becomes something that we remember. Hopefully you remember me saying that last week. Um, practice makes permanent. So as I mentioned last week, baptism and communion are both sacraments of the church, What that means, sacraments sacraments are essentially rituals that represent a very real connection to Christ and the salvation that we receive through him. Baptism is typically a one-time event in someone's life. Last week we celebrated with five people. We're going to show you their pictures, so if, if any of them are in the room today, if you see them in the lobby, make sure you celebrate them. So these five people, for each one of them, their baptism last week signified the start of a new journey. They publicly acknowledged the death of their former selves and the start of their new life with Christ and because of Christ. And it is our hope that these five people will remember their baptism here this, with this family as a significant moment in their lives forever. This week, we'll be talking about communion, which is a very different practice than baptism. Communion isn't a one-time event in our lives. It is meant to be a continuing reminder of the life that we have in Christ because of his sacrifice. Now, I said last week that we practice, we train our brains to remember by the act of doing. So communion is an ongoing thing that we do. I would say it this way. It's a practice we do regularly to remind us regularly of the sacrifice that Christ made for us and the salvation we have because of that sacrifice. We do these practices of the church to have a better understanding of who Jesus is and our very real connection to him. One of the ways that we try to better understand who Jesus is, is by looking at and following his examples, by doing the things that he did. And I told you last week that Jesus was baptized and that, and that Jesus actually established the practice of communion with his final meal on earth with the disciples. So this week we're going to explore communion what it represents, and why it's so important for us. And then we'll be actually going to the table together to receive communion. So I want to begin this week by talking about the elements of communion. And we're actually going to start with the table itself. Now, this table, and I've asked the team to put a picture of it so that you could see the top of it. This communion table was made for our community by two people in our community, Kyle and Kelby Steele. You may know them from the worship team if if you don't know them any other way. They made this table for our community during a series that we did last year called How to Be Human. During that series, if you'll remember, if you were here with us then, we walked through the Ten Commandments and explored what that actually means for us today. Now, this table is an artifact of that series. Artifacts are simply objects that are made by humans that tell the story of a people and a place and a time. Now, this is also an artifact. This is one of my favorite pieces of jewelry. Carl and I'm gonna say, really, Martha Hannah, who directs his gift buying for me when they are traveling and it over in other countries, uh, brought, bought this bracelet for me and brought it back for me from Haiti. Now, the, one of the reasons, besides it's, it's beautiful, I love it, it, looks, it, it, looks, it just it looks exactly like me, uh, something that I would wear. But one of the things that I love about it, and the reason it's significant, is that it was made from trash. This bracelet, Tells the story of a community that struggles to be self-sustaining. It tells of their passion to take what they have in abundance of, which is trash and discarded raw materials, and turn them into something beautiful that they can sell so that it benefits them, it benefits their local economy, and therefore it benefits their whole community. It's an artifact that tells of a people, a place, and their story. This bracelet tells me a story about resolve and passion and perseverance of a people. This table tells a story about a very specific journey that our community went on through that series last year. It tells the story of a people who were impacted by God's words and God's story and pursued how they connect personally with that story. So Kelby and Kyle took raw wood and added their time and their talent, their skills, their craft, and put this table together. Now, on one hand, this table is just wood; it's just an object with some meaningful words painted on it. It was crafted by people who are passionate about E3, but it's still just basically a table for us to put our communion elements on and on. Fortunately, on the days that we're not having communion, it becomes a place where we just put stuff on. But on the other hand, I think this table actually says something very interesting about why we're here today, which is to receive communion together, to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Jesus himself asked us to remember him through the practice of communion. Now, if you grew up in church, you may know communion in a couple of different ways. You may have heard it referred to as the Eucharist, which actually, that word itself means good gift. Or you may have heard it referred to as the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table, or simply as communion, which is how we commonly refer to it here at E3. The word communion, if you look at it, indicates a coming together, a co-union, and this is actually an incredibly rich concept for us to explore. This co-union represents the union in the church, the union among God's people, but it also represents the union between God's people and God. There's a declaration that God has bridged the gap between him and us through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. This table tells a great story of how God is in union with us. And every time we use this table, we're reminded about that series and how we grew together through it. We've heard several people refer back to that series many times over the past year. And that even something like a journey through the Ten Commandments and the Ten Commandments themselves are about relationship. It's about our relationship with other people, how we treat, each other, and also about our relationship with God. It's both and. It's union with the church and union with God. Now we're going to explore this a little bit more by going back to the scripture that Phoenix read for us. In the Bible, Jesus sits down to have his last meal with his closest friends, his followers. The meal is recorded in some way in all four of the gospels. But Matthew tells it this way. This is from Matthew 26. Follow along as I read. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. So this last meal, this ritual, this act, involves a few basic elements, and we're going to talk about those. What's interesting is that each of these objects, the bread and the wine in particular, intricately involve both God and humans. And they can, ap- they can also represent some ways that we can misunderstand the life that God calls us into. So let's back up before we go to the bread and the wine, and let's talk about the table. When you look at the table, you see it's wood with some metal screws and some paint. But it's not just wood. It started somewhere as a tree, but it didn't stay a tree. It also didn't stay a pile of lumber. I tried to find out because I figured somebody would ask me. I don't know what kind of wood it is. I tried to find out. I didn't hear back from Kyle and Kelby. It was wood. (laughs) I can confirm that much. It didn't stay a pile of lumber. When Kyle and Kelby put this together, they started with something that God created, the tree, right? The wood from the tree. But they didn't just show up here on a Sunday with a pile of lumber and say, here you go. Enjoy. You're welcome. That's not what they did. No, they took something that God created and they shaped it using their skill, their time, their talents, their craft. Now, let's be clear. If there was no wood, there would be no table. But if there's no craft, if there's no human gifts plus time and passion, there's still no table. So how can we... Consider this with the other elements of communion. Now, we look at the elements, the bread and the wine. In our case, it's juice. Let's talk about the bread. What are some ingredients for making bread? Just shout them out yeast, flour, grain, salt. Yeah. So, grain, salt, water, among other things. These are the primary ingredients and are all things that occur naturally in our world. God makes the grain, the salt, and the water, but God doesn't make bread. How is bread made? I looked it up. Here's how you make bread. You take a recipe, and you follow the instructions. You gather the ingredients. You put the the grain and the salt and the water, all of it together in a very specific order, and then bake them together uh, with the other ingredients for a very specific amount of time to transform the ingredients into bread. Bread is made, essentially, by human effort, along with time. So here, again, humans take what God created, the grain of the flour, the salt, and the water, and then humans craft the bread. So what about, in this case, the juice? Well, God makes the grapes. And he makes the humans, but God doesn't make the wine. How is wine made? I looked it up. For your viewing pleasure, I have a video of how wine is made. Now, before, let me just set this up for a moment and say this was sent to me by a very good friend of mine. Some of you may know him. His name is Eric Case. If you do not like this video, I it would implore you to email him at eric at element3.org. Turn your attention to the screen. What kind of grapes? These are filled with Chamberson grapes. And the winner this Saturday who's still music, eating international foods, having wine tours and tasting, vineyard tours, seminars, arts and crafts. It's a lot of fun. A whole day. Stop. Oh, God. Oh. It's terrible. I'm sorry. I really wrestled over whether I should show it or not. I can tell you this. I I sent it to Jonathan. I said, you have to cut it at exactly this moment because after this, she lets out this wail that sounds like a wounded animal. It's horrible. But she's fine. She's totally fine. I'm sure she's fine. She's internet famous. I mean, lots of people knew about this clip. So um, I had actually thought about using the clip from the I Love Lucy. Does anybody who remembers that? You know what? So many more people remember that than I expected. That's why I didn't use it. I was like, I don't know. It's black and white video. I don't, maybe I'm the only one that's old enough to remember that, that scene. So, um, so you can imagine this is how wine is made, right? All right, so wine is made through human effort. Even the juice that we use is made by human effort, even if that human effort is simply just supervising the machines at Ocean Spray that make our juice. Um, it still involves human effort. It should be very interesting to us that Jesus could have chosen any other elements for us to use to remember him. He could have just as easily had us remember him through eggs or cucumbers or watermelon or just the grapes or the salt for that matter. But instead, Jesus says, take what God creates, the grapes and the grain, and then through your humanity, transform it. Shape it, craft it. This gives us the best of both. So, when we think about this table, this Eucharist, this good gift or communion, we are reminded that this God invites us to participate with Him to bring bring the best of who we are to this world that He created. He doesn't just say, Here's the world, now just go sit on the sidelines and hope it goes smoothly. Just hope that things get better. And he also doesn't say, do this in your own power. He takes the two things together, the raw material of this world, which includes us, by the way, and combines that with our efforts to shape it and transform it. And Jesus says, remember me through this, through this co-union of these things, this joining of two things, the two things that are both us and him. So for the rest of our time today, we're going to explore the practice, and we're going to do the practice of communion. Now, I want to tell you a couple of things. We, we do communion regularly here. We practice it regularly so we will regularly remember. We do it every four, six, eight weeks or so. What I've noticed over time is that we have a tendency to rush through the practice. Isn't that the way things are when things become familiar to us? We start to match the pace of those things with the pace of our lives, which is ridiculous, right? The pace of everyone's life is just ridiculous. And so I have noticed that over time we've had a tendency to rush through this practice. And so today we're gonna take some very intentional, slowed time. We're slowing things down on purpose. Now, before you come to the table to receive communion, I want us to spend part of this time, of slowing this practice of slowing down, we're gonna spend a few minutes reflecting on a couple of things. First, I'd like to invite you to spend a few moments in thanksgiving. Spend a couple minutes thanking God for the way that he has specifically and uniquely made you. He has given each one of us gifts and talents and passions and skills. Spend a couple minutes acknowledging those gifts and thanking him earnestly for them. And then spend a few minutes thanking God that through those gifts, with those gifts, he invites us to partner with him, to participate with him, to make something beautiful in this world, to transform this world. And then the next thing that I'd like to invite you to do is to consider a question. What is God calling you to make? It doesn't have to be a table. It doesn't have to be a bracelet. What is the artifact, though, that you are supposed to create with your life that tells the story of your people and of this place? the place that you are in, and of this time while you are here walking this earth. God invites human beings to take the best, the very best, of what he has created and given to us and then combine it with our talents, our skills, our passions to create something that brings honor and glory to God. And that can also help to heal this world. So what is God calling you to make? Maybe your artifact isn't something tangible like a bracelet or a table. Maybe it's a legacy of loving people around you. Maybe it's a legacy of good relationships. Maybe it's a legacy of helping people heal from their brokenness. Partnering with God to do that. How is God calling you to partner with Him? Because He is. Trust me, He is. So these questions that I want you to think about are going to be on the screen. The band is going to come out, and they're going to play softly underneath this time. We're going to enter into a time that might feel awkward. My hope is that you will feel some tension, that it will be challenging for you to sit still in the quiet or the quieter moment of this day. Wrestle with these questions. And then I'll come back and open the table for communion. Before we enter this reflection time, I'd like to invite you to bow your heads and pray with me.